Well, that's finally over, and thank god I actually managed to see it all the way through. I've never been the best at finishing things, especially when it comes to passion projects. For example, I still have a bunch of unfinished short stories and manuscripts back from when I wanted to be a writer. My usual MO is to start a project with the passion of a Dr. Frankenstein and stop in the middle with the disinterest of a Dr. Phil with an interview subject he can't exploit for ratings. I've always felt bad for doing this, but I've never had the motivation or creativity to finish a lot of projects without a deadline. That's why I was determined to finish this podcast project, even though I had already graduated from college and ended the, the course this project was for with an A. I wanted to prove to myself I could finish something, and if you're listening to this, then I have accomplished that goal. The quality of this project is another matter entirely, though. Before this project, I have never made a podcast before. The closest experience I had with podcasting was helping one of my best friends with her podcast for class. I have also never created my own project having been more used to following the directions than making them. The technical work was easy, as I used the Anchor podcast creator my friend used, which is basically just podcasting 101 for dummies. Nothing fancy, but easy to use. The only problem that came up was finding the privacy to record, as I couldn't in good faith force my roommate to be quiet for two to four hours. The real problem became planning this whole thing out. Before I started working on the production of this project, I created a huge lesson plan with a multitude of research papers and books that I would take my time to read and use them to bust out an episode every two weeks, which sounded easy enough at the time, only to find that some of the resources I picked weren't the best, so I would spend late nights in the library quickly finding new ones that I would do my best to skim. My time frame and went completely out the window when the reality of my final semester of college and other real-life events brought me back to Earth hard. Heck, I spent a good amount of time spring break wondering what god I pissed off from the sheer irony of doing this project at the same time as the Atlantis shootings and the rise in anti-Asian hate. I'm really glad I did that episode as it was important and managed to touch on everything I had done up until that point, even if it was emotionally taxing. However, it also forced me to basically rewrite the second half of my series, though I do believe it made the series better and more streamlined in the end. It also made it more difficult to do. In the sense that the upended calendar meant that this project collided with other assignments that needed my attention more, such as my senior thesis, which is why I wasn't able to complete this before my graduation. However, I am still very proud of how this turned out. In doing this nine-episode series and having a lot of time to reflect on my work in Asian American feminism in general, I feel like I've only scraped the surface of what even is or could be a part of Asian American feminism. The reason I named this show Asian American Feminist in Training was because it wasn't just the audience learning about the subject, but me as well. Prior to this, I was well-versed in feminism, but not the version that took place at the specific intersection of race, gender, class, immigration, citizenship, nationality, colonialism, imperialism, and Eurocentrism, 
um, the way Asian American feminism does. Even then, most of my episodes only went over the basics of the basics, establishing simple concepts, because the subjects and scenarios they apply to are often intersecting and so large that many different sub-subjects exist. Hell, I didn't even get into LGBTQ plus issues, and with the rewrite, I only had time to look over one person, even though there are still many impressive, impressive Asian American women and feminists in history such as Grace Lee Boggs, Patsy Mink, and Helen Zia. Hell, that's why many of these episodes went past 15 minutes, even though I had set a hard limit for myself at the beginning. That's why I always included sources in my episodes to both fact-check myself and give people an opportunity to read more into the subjects I cover. As I am one person with different kinds of advantages and disadvantages, and experiences from other people who identify as Asian American feminists, which in turn influences what I cover in this podcast and how I cover it. Even then, my time and resources was limited. In many ways, I could easily see the stretching into multiple seasons just to cover everything. Though any actual serious attempt at a season two at this won't probably be for a while considering how hectic my postgraduate life has gotten which is part of the reason I delayed the final part of this project for so long. If I did do a season, and I would prefer a regular output schedule rather than the whenever I feel like it schedule I currently have. At the, end, at the end of the first episode, I posited a number of questions for this podcast to answer. What is Asian American feminism? What are important issues to it? Important groups, organizations, and people? And why is Asian American feminism important in general? I feel like I haven't completely answered any of these because none of those questions have a short answer to them. Asian American women's history in this country is long and in many ways is still forming as time goes on, especially as many Asian Americans, especially women in general, push for greater visibility for our community. If I did have to give my own personal definition as to what Asian American feminism entails, I would say it's the idea that women's liberation extends far beyond undoing patriarchal structures of oppression, as those same structures are upheld and strengthened by other systems of oppression, such as racism, classism, nationalism, heteronormativity, and imperialism slash colonialism. How these structures of oppression come together impacts different groups of women differently. So for feminism to be effective, one cannot just focus on victory for one group, as that only makes up a percentage of the experience of being a woman, as womanhood is not owned by a single race, class, sexual orientation, gender, expression, or identity, and should not be restricted by borders between nations. What needs to take place is collective solidarity among all groups of women to understand and tackle these various problems together as even if one has several degrees of separation from a problem, that does not mean one is divorced from it, or that one day the gap between the two won't ever close. The reason I believe Asian American women in my definition of feminism is the length is because Asian American women are not a monolith, and because of the sheer diversity within their group, whether it be because of the different countries they come from, each of whom have their own ethnic and cultural communities that differ from one another, or the wide range of class positions they, they can maintain, 
Asian American women represent the struggle of finding liberation, equality, and equity for a disparate group. The solutions for Asian American women's problems are not the same because not all Asian American women experience the same problem. Or if they do, they experience it differently. None of these problems can be ignored, though, as they all feed into the larger fabric of the oppression Asian American women face. Yet what unites Asian American women together, something I believe should unite all women together, is the inherent right of self-determination decoupled from the systemic forces that aim to chip away at or outright take away that ability, something that they should be given in at birth, but unfortunately needs to be fought for over the course of not just their lives, but the lives of those who came before and those who will come after. Because fighting for a better world is not just a fight for everyone in the present day, but it is something that has to be continuously done throughout history, as liberation for all is not just about achieving it, but maintaining it. That's a fight Asian American women have done for decades. Well, that was a rant, and honestly, it kind of felt like an expert for some kind of Asian American women in Manifesto. While this series hasn't been perfect, I do believe I did a good job for both a novice and as someone with limited resources. I hope to do more stuff like this in the future, whether it be, be continuing this podcast, getting more involved in physical forms of activism, or doing similar academic work like this in graduate school. Since graduating college, I found that my future has kind of become a little bit more blurry in the sense I don't know what will come next. However, no matter what I do, I hope I can make this world a bit better for both Asian American women and everyone else. So with that said, my name is Kim Montano, and this was Asian American Feminist in Training.